everybody to the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And man, it's been a couple weeks. There's been a few things going on. I was sick uh, one Monday. Yes. And uh, you were. By that six o'clock that Monday night, I ate a steak burrito. So I was all fine. I was happy that there's other things than COVID to get sick from. That was great. And I got sick yeah. too, but that did not impact any of our recording. That was no. That was in the last few weeks, but I'm better and I might have got COVID. I natural immunity, I'm sure. My yeah. my immune system is so great, I probably beat it really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we must digress yes. from that anyway. But yeah, it's been a while. Last week some things came up. Um so we haven't been our uh, normal selves for a little bit, but you know what? That's okay. Um, there's other podcasts to listen to. There's a lot of stuff going on to be mindful of. Um, we're just happy to do this thing whenever we can. And so here we're back in the studio. Last um, week I was in yeah. Kansas City. That's exactly yeah. what was going on. I was at yeah. For the Church, and we didn't That's do right. like a For the Church report. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> yes. So that happened anyway. Uh, but uh, so we're back here and I, I know our last episode was on uh, Philip Wright and we are going to get to that. And I mean, we're doing two episodes um, in one day to put out A two one, for Monday, Yeah, two for Monday to make sure that we have something for, you know, two weeks in a row so that, you know, if anything comes up next Monday with our families or churches, whatever it is um, that we can continue. We like to have that one show a week. And then um, to continue to put out content, we don't like necessarily, you know, that we hadn't had a couple. We have had a couple of times where we couldn't out put put out one show a week, but we deal with it. We're flexible. You know, God for the most sovereign. part, we've been and, really good yeah. about that over the last yeah. few years. So, yeah. you know, grateful, thankful. Thank you, everyone who listens and likes and shares and has subscribed. And we just want to encourage you if you're watching it through Facebook, make sure you subscribe, make sure you like, that's always helpful to us. And, and be sure to comment. Um, we really enjoy looking at those comments. And while we do have things in the background that we're working through when it comes to the podcast, there are some shows that we'd really like to have. We're going to deal with the things that are most pressing to us. And yeah. sometimes we have to make uh, adjustments and sometimes we have to make decisions and we have to push back something. It's not that we don't want to deal with it. Sometimes it's just that what is in the forefront, what is the most important thing for us at the moment. And again, we like to be localized on what's going on here in Springfield. We mm -hmm. like to further also in uh, engage Missouri Baptist topics mm -hmm. since we're here in Missouri. So, And that's uh, what we're going to get to today, and that's why this uh, show is uh, kind of pressing over the other one. Um, but, you know, next week you'll be able to we'll get back into uh, Philip Wright. And, that, I mean, it's going to start off with the major issue um, in part two of, uh, you know, his deconstructionist absurdity. Um, but uh, with that said, uh, it's October. It's That's October, right. and we've talked about a couple things happening in October. The big thing is, as uh, Dave said, we like to deal with Springfield things. We like to deal with Missouri Baptist things, and that's what we're talking about today is Missouri Baptist uh, things right now. And so at the end of this month, okay, we've only got, it's see, it's the third, today so we've got fourth, 21 days. The fourth, we have 20 yeah, days, yeah, 20, 20 days, days until oh, the it debate. Is the fourth. Oh, yeah, that was yesterday. So, yes, um, so at the end of the month, um, we've got the Missouri Baptist uh, convention annual meeting. And so there's a lot of stuff going on that Dave and I are involved in. And so the first one, if, uh, so this is pre 
the actual convention, but you know, people come in early, they get their hotel rooms, they're getting rest um, before the couple of days of just nonstop craziness yes. uh, that the <laughs> that the annual meeting is in all facets. Um, but uh, the 24th, which is a Sunday, the Sunday night where people are coming in, checking in, um, we are having a debate and that's something that I need to get a flyer for so we can get this out and if you see it, Facebook is down today. And so you might not see anything immediately or whatever, but whenever you see it, whenever I get this flyer out, share, 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 get your people in. Cause this one's a really cool methodological debate. So, and it's a great one yeah. to have in the Missouri Baptist apologetics network. When Adam yeah. and I first got on the network, it was mostly uh, evidential classicalist. Now it's majority presuppositional covenantalist. And so this is a good discussion to have uh, inner squad debate. We are going to be charitable. We're really thankful for Gabe and for Dennis Jackson, who are jumping in here on this debate. And we're thankful for James Silberman and Sam Riley. Uh, the other little mm -hmm. pieces on Wednesday, I'll be going to Jeff City to talk to the resolutions hearing committee. Ever since June, Adam and I have been working on the resolution to abolish abortion, the Missouri yeah. Baptist resolution for the abolition of abortion. And so we want to just give a little bit of a lineup of things that are going on there. Now, right now, this has been passed around Facebook. We're going to continue to ask you to do so. Uh, it's a PDF file, and it just basically is a schedule for what's going on. We're really thankful for uh, Abolish Abortion Missouri, who is yeah. partnered with the Missouri Baptist Abolish the Missouri Baptist for the abolition of abortion uh, with Taguret. And so, yeah. I'm just going to give a brief little outline of these things, and want to make sure that you are passing this PDF file around, and likewise plan on being there. So. Adam already made it clear, 7 p.m. October 24th in the Bee Creek Room. Mm -hmm. In the Bee Creek Room at the Branson Convention Center, we are having our debate, and it's going to be moderated by Sam Riley and James Silberman and Will Hoffman. Mm -hmm. The next thing that we want to remind people about is on the 25th, that is Monday the 25th, at the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network booth, we will have a prayer meeting at 7.30 a.m., and we will pass out material for people to distribute. Because we will have two open-air preaching conferences. One of those is going to be at 11 a.m., and it will be right on the corner, crossing from the convention hotel over to the landing. It's not going to be anything that you're going to miss. But at 1045, if you want to come back by the MBAM booth and pick up some more abolitionist material, we will have it there. So 11 o'clock, open-air preaching, then at 450. Again, if you want to come grab some more abolitionist material to distribute during the open air conference, come pick it up then because at 5 p.m. we'll have our second open air conference. Again, we have Rusty Thomas, the former president of Operation Save America, C.R. Kelly, Wendell Schrock, Adam Josh Jenkins uh, will be preaching, Kevin Myers will be preaching as well as some others. And then at noon on the 26th, uh, inviting everyone to come back to the MBAM booth one more time uh, because the resolutions are voted on at the end of the day on Tuesday, the 26th. And so we're just going to have a prayer meeting then for the resolution. And, and even if the resolution doesn't get to the floor, we're just going to pray over all the seeds that we've planted at the annual meeting because we want there to be some substantial change and and that's what we're hoping for <laughs>
so there you go. There's yeah. everything. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that's everything going down. So um, if you uh, need that information, if you need that PDF file, if you can't find it anywhere else, please uh, email us, uh, get a hold of us send messenger or whatever. And we guys, we can get you guys uh, that information. So uh, that's a big deal. So we'll be pressing this stuff um, the rest of the month. Um, if it's, if Facebook's down for a month, that's awesome. <laughs> we'll, we'll find other, yeah, people other will get more things done. stuff like that. Yeah. It'll be very productive and we can get this resolution passed through possibly uh, with all that productiveness. But anyway, so um, with that said, um, we've got a couple of little things to tackle tonight. And I know uh, the first thing is uh, sort of a private message that was uh, sent to Dave uh, to kind of deal with. And and so that's a, it. we're wanting to talk about, again, abolitionism versus incrementalism. So if you go back in our uh, catalog, if you see anything, um, we've talked about you know, the differences before and stuff, but now we're getting into the weeds as we're getting close to this thing. So people, um, especially after the, uh, the Southern Baptist for the abolition of abortion, whenever that resolution, um, was, uh, on the floor and getting passed, um, at the convention itself, there were arguments put forward, um, for and against. Um, and then after even that it's was voted in, even with the tragic word, alone um you know we've had more more stuff come out you know from people in the erlc um and other places going you know that that is a trash resolution we shouldn't be doing this and then you get the excitement on the other end and then your here's your arguments and how they're weak and all that stuff from the abolition side um now we're in missouri so and we're doing these things these things are known they're getting put out so now we're in the weeds um so you go back in the catalog to get some of the bigger uh generalization kind of things and now we're going to push forward in the weeds and so um dave uh you were contacted um about some abolition versus incremental stuff um what is that so really at the end of the day our position is that the abolitionist position is the only consistent position for the Christian to uphold. It comes down to an issue of sufficiency, clarity, authority of Scripture. So what you will not see on the pro-life, the secular pro-life industry side, is you will not see a biblical, scriptural position defended. Yeah. In other words, their methodology mm-hmm. is not supported within the clear context of Scripture. So what will happen is advocates will begin to grasp at straws to try to figure out what they can do to try to uh, support their position from Scripture, because they recognize the foundation is faulty. They recognize that they do not have the scriptural support. They'll begin to try to comb through Scripture to try to find some type of clear position that affirms what they're doing. And so in one of the exchanges that I had with Denny Burke, the president of the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, yes, not just me, though, it was some other abolitionist. He began to try to appeal to the book of Esther as a as a mechanism for scripturally supporting the for scripturally supporting the incrementalist position. And so if we're all very usually familiar with the book of Esther, but here's what he essentially said. Now, in Esther chapter three, what you see is Haman goes to King Ashwaris and in Chapter 3 of Esther, what we see here is uh, Haman saying to King Ashwaris in uh, Esther 3, verse 8, 
Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the providences of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the, keep the king's laws, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those who have charged the king's business, that they may put into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the Agite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. So what has happened there is Haman has gone to King Ashwaris. He has basically said, we are going to put to death the Jews. This is where Esther begins to step in. Now, remember, King Ashwaris is uh, going to sign this, and he is going to support the uh, the law of the Persian and the Medes, which basically says that the king can't undo a decree that he's already done. Mm -hmm. In steps Haman, or excuse me, in steps Mordecai going to Esther. Esther goes and appeals. Haman is put to death. And then in chapter 9, we have this uh, very interesting edict, right? And rather than reading every last piece of the edict, putting it very simple, right? Here's what happens. The Jews are given the opportunity to defend themselves against this one day where they're going to be put to death. That is according to Ashwaris. Now, here is the argument that the incrementalists are going to try to say. Look, the Bible doesn't support completely upending there is a regulation to defend. There is an incrementalist defense being put in here. And apparently it's found here. So in other words, the king, according to the incrementalist, King Ashwaris is right for submitting to the law of the Persian and the Persians and the Medes, and Scripture supports not completely upending an iniquitous decree, but rather regulating an iniquitous decree. This is not what is going on here. What you see happening here is not Scripture saying this was good, rather Scripture is reporting about what happened. So what, what is the book of Esther? So let's do what we do as Southern Baptists, especially after the uh, conservative resurgence, after the, uh, the, the Chicago statement, which didn't just describe the inerrancy of scripture, actually dealt with hermeneutics as well. Man, Dave's so Sorry, loud today. man, I'm being really and loud. And my dog's loud and everything's <laughs> loud. No, but anyway, as Southern Baptist post conservative resurgence, post um, inerrancy, which that's why the 2000 is dripping with inerrancy, that's right. Right, the the Baptist faith, the message two thousand. Let's do hermeneutics the right way. What is Esther? It's a narrative. It's just telling the facts. What happened in this situation? It's not saying it's morally good or morally right. In fact, remember Esther is charged for not talking about God. That's so right. God wasn't in. So if I, you know, if I can just make up stuff. I can say, well, uh, we can uh, actually argue without God because Esther doesn't have God in it and it's a story. Are you willing to say that? Or are you going to do your biblical hermeneutics and go, no, no, though, the, God is sovereign and here's the narrative of how God directed this stuff 
and that there's sin and that we know even through Joseph's life that even through sin, God still gets what he gets, what he's getting. And he's putting man through what he's putting through to build their character, to try them and to ultimately reveal himself and make them holy. That's the way God works. Now, again, we got to have a creator creature distinction as well. We can't deny that. So how has God, we need to ask the question, how has God told man to relate to man? And how has God told man to relate to him? How has God said how I work versus how you work? All right. So yes, in a sense, the kingdom of God is incremental. It grows from a seed to the biggest tree where all the birds find rest in its branches. I get that. And God is working out the increments. But what are we supposed to do in the meantime? We are supposed to be faithful to his law as absolutists. That's why they had a problem with the Jews. Because right. they didn't keep the king's law. That's why Haman wanted him dead, or at least used that. He, he hated yes. the Jews, but that's what he used. They are absolutists, king. They have their law. They have their God. They have their want to be king anyway. They're in exile right now, but they want to go back to the land. They want to do this kind of stuff, right? And they're not going to keep your laws, so that's why you should have them killed. They're being absolutists. Wait. They were supposed to be absolutists from the well, very beginning, right? And then they failed and they were exiled. So, hey, that, that's one good thing for the Israelites, that they were seen to be absolutists. So which side is the story falling on so, for the followers of God right now? So when incrementalists try to throw spaghetti on the wall like this, and of course, uh, Burke was smart enough to know that he could only share that in a private chat. He couldn't put that out publicly. He was trying that again. Yeah, you us. can search. Shows I, the simplicity yeah. of their thought. Yeah. The reality is anyone who reads this does not say, oh, man. Good job, Ashwaris, for incrementally making a decision. Now, what you see from the Christian standpoint is why did he why did he submit to the law of the Persians and the Medes? That was wrong. That created more violence. That cost more lives. What he did was wrong and it was evil. What he should have done is overthrown his iniquitous decree. You don't get to righteousness by instating more iniquitous decrees. All he did there was regulate the murder now of those who tried to murder the Jews. And guess what? You know what the king could have done incrementally? Well, Haman, I know that you have something against Mordecai. I'll give you Mordecai if you you save the rest of the Jews. How about that? Like your real beef is with Mordecai, not with the rest of the Jews. So let's save the Jews, but I'll give you... Mordecai, you can kill him. Is that what the king does? Hmm. No, he lets all the Jews defend themselves at the very least. He doesn't make an incremental thing in another way. If we're just being hypothetical and arbitrary just to have fun, which is all the other side's trying to do is just try to dance around to get over the fact of, I don't want to give my life to save the life of others. That's what we are called to do. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're called to do. We're called to interpose. That's what the king did not do in this narrative of describing history because it is a narrative and it, I'm sorry, I am not a Bible college guy. I'm not a seminarian, but I know if I am, if I am a Baptist, right, that should come with, we do biblical hermeneutics the correct way. And 
if you have to jump out of those biblical hermeneutics to save what you want, that shows your cowardice. And I, you know, I, I don't want to say that in a pejorative sense against a brother saying that I'm not, I'm not calling you not saved. I'm not calling you not Christian or anything. I'm just saying, here's a warning. You are jumping out of what you're going to teach your students how to do biblical hermeneutics just to save you from having to actually interpose. The reality is, for me, what your incrementalists have done is, in order to win a bunch of little battles, they've forgotten what it was actually really about. In other words, they've put all of their eggs into all these little battles rather than, let's win the war, let's jump the hurdle, let's drop the A-bomb. That's mm-hmm. how you win. Of course, we could have gone into Japan, and we probably still could have won. But we dropped the A-bomb because at the end of the day, that was how you won. That was how you were able to save the most lives. You keep saying, well, look at the lives we've saved. Look at the lives we've saved. Ending abortion completely will save all the lives. So the idea of let's celebrate a few lives that we saved here, a few lives that we saved here. No, 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 no. Now it is time to listen to God's word to overturn Wait, it's not even a law. Exactly. Quit acting as if it is a law. Yep. State clearly and objectively, Missouri Baptist, we are done. And let me just say, if you've been a pro-life warrior, right, you should want nothing more than to say, without exception or compromise. Why in the world would a pro-life person ever push against that? Why would a pro-life person ever push against the immediate end of abortion without exception or compromise. It makes zero sense. All it demonstrates is they want to win a bunch of little battles rather than saying, let's claim victory. Does that make sense? Do we want to exalt our own tower or do we want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ who is king over everything? That's the difference. Do we want to have an, do we want to have a small bunch, uh, a, a bunch of awards to hang on a wall behind us going like, we won that one, we won that one, we won that one, we won that one. And here's the last one we won. And we've got a place over here for the last one that we're looking at. Or let's just get rid of the awards and go for the glory of Christ. Not, we're not doing this for ourselves. Any pro-life. We don't want to do this for our careers. That's right. We want to do this to serve the king. We are employees of the king. We don't get the glory. The king gets the glory, and we sit back and do what he has asked. Even Jesus came down saying, I don't, these are not my words. These are the words of him who sent me. So he wasn't even about himself. Why are we about ourselves? Why are we sitting here going, but we've worked for 48 years and we've worked so hard. We are unwilling to give that up to do the one thing that we're supposed to do. And so it's a pride issue. Why can't we give up that pride to finally go, you know what? We should have been, wait a second. It, it isn't law. And we need to call our state people. If the, if the federal government isn't going to do it, well, we can act up for states. And then maybe we can go from the bottom up instead of the top down, because again, we don't want to be tyrannical. We don't like tyrants. We don't want to become tyrants. So we go from the bottom up. What's wrong with that? And then we go state and then we make a good example. And then other people go like, well, they did it. Well, how else? this works in the weed issue. We'd still federally. And I mean, we'll get this into whenever we get into our article that we were talking about, but weed is still federally 
a controlled substance and illegal. That's right. I get caught with it in Missouri. There's many different fines. There's jail time, whatever, compared to the amount. If I'm intoxicated while I'm driving with it, whatever, it's still illegal. Like, yeah, it's becoming more and more like, you know, you got the medical issue, but then you have Colorado, you have Washington State, you have Washington, D.C., which is regulated recreational. But it's still federally illegal. Huh. You know, so can we defy this thing? Can we love babies more than weed? Can we? Christians, can we? That's the big thing. Which one do you want more of? Yeah. There, so, I mean, it, <laughs> but anyway, here's the deal. There is not a biblical defense yeah. of incrementalism. And this, and, and so if you're going to try to use Esther, again, it is a narrative. It's describing what happened. You still got to prove is what happened right. Was it right of Joseph, Joseph's brothers to throw him into a pit? I mean, this is what I was thinking about the other night. It's like just thinking about that story. They wanted to kill him at first. Well, Reuben comes along. Like, Let's not kill him. Let's just put him into a pit. We'll take his clothes off, rub it and rub him in blood. And then he wasn't saying, well, I'll come in and rescue him later. He's the incrementalist. You're saying Reuben still uh, saying, let's lie to our father. <laughs> let's good. do this so I can save his life. Reuben's totally scot-free of any, any blame. Nope. Not to the law of God. He's complicit. And guess what? Yeah, he couldn't save him. He could not save his brother. He didn't know everything. But we do know what we can do from the one who knows everything because he created everything, decreed everything. And let's follow that instead of getting in a situation where we end up trying to hide, put something in a pit for a little bit. And then, oops, he's actually sold into slavery. What right? the incrementalist will try to do over and over again is appeal to emotional things. Look how many lives we saved. Look how many lives we've saved. Here's the problem. You got to prove it. You need to prove objectively that what you're doing is actually stopping. Not theoretically. So the thing, again, with the Hyde Amendment, it doesn't, you know, tax money doesn't have to go to uh, Planned Parenthood. But guess what? Planned Parenthood <clears throat> is still open. I go to Planned Parenthood to, you know, take a girl to get an abortion. They say, well, um, you've got Medicaid, but they, they can't uh, pay for it. You've got this over here. They can't pay for it. But guess what? What do we have? We've got this program over here. It's not tax money, but we have all this money set aside from this other organization that will pay for it. So did the Hyde Amendment save that baby from being murdered? No. So we want hard numbers because remember, tax money isn't the only thing that's paying for people's abortions. So maybe on paper you can say, well, this, this is saving a bunch of people. No, no, no. There's many other donors. Many other people funding free to the person abortions. So you haven't proven anything. Theoretically, okay. But you have, when it comes to hard numbers, you've proven nothing. So prove it. What has happened is the Christian who cares about the preborn have been caught up in the short game rather than the end game. Mm -hmm. Each of these snapshots are merely things that allow those who murder babies to further 
the technology and further remove the reality of murdering image bearers. Each of these things, because there are 3,000 murders of the preborn a day, that is a number that is holding fast. And it will continue to hold fast as long as we say, nah, let's regulate the temperature in the room. Let's make those who murder babies have to check these certain medical boxes. Uh, each time we do that, we only further the technological advances of those who want to sacrifice children. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Right on. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. That's scripture. That's the methodology. So whenever you're doing the sort of pandering to a secular argument where Jesus, the Trinitarian God, doesn't have to exist to argue, then what are you doing and what's happening? You're becoming just like them. You're just as arbitrary. And so if you can be arbitrary, just like, uh, you know, because somebody on my Facebook page hasn't got the issue yet and is not willing to confess the truth about my position, still stuck in it. They're like, well, why are you just being arbitrary the way you're being arbitrary? And then I can just turn around and ask them, well, why are you being arbitrary the way you're being arbitrary? And then why are you even mad about me being arbitrary if you're being arbitrary? But then again, you can go ahead and be mad because that's arbitrary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the absurdity again of relativism. And we have taken the bait when then we're just tart. We, we are just a, arguing particulars without even the comprehensive worldview that Christianity is. That's it's a worldview issue. It's a image bearer issue. It's an it's authority of scripture issue. gospel issue. Yes. That's why you don't have a bunch of secularist on the abolitionist position because their position is really not at all one about the value of humanity that they can actually argue for with any actual objective authority. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. The which, pathway. Yeah. This, which is, week. this is awesome. This is awesome. So if you guys, uh, again, go in our backlog if you haven't, but for you guys that are listening that you remember our abolition roundtable where we had Bill Askell, Clay Hall, me, Dave, um, Joshua from Free the States. And uh, we're talking to Don Hinkle of the Missouri Pathway. And we're saying like, we're talking to him. He was Unlike the awesome uh, problem that's going on with the, uh, executive, the, committee, committee. the executive mm -hmm. committee where they said, we don't have to listen to the messengers. Guess what Don Hinkle did? He said, I need you. I need you, messengers. I need the, the Missouri Baptist messengers, the people, to talk or my hands are tied. And he is willing to then, if the messengers speak, he goes, I will do what you say. I work for you. That's the beauty. Uh, thank you, Don Hinkle. I want to personally right now say thank you so much for being consistent with Baptist polity where other people aren't. Thank you for wanting to listen. Thank you for doing your job. Thank you for giving an opportunity for abolitionists yes. to have a voice because yes. guess what? People who are uh, in certain positions will not engage directly abolitionists in a public forum. Yes. And here we have the opportunity so because for the of arguments that, to be laid out. So because of that conversation, it's wonderful to know that Taggart has 
some sort of help. We are grateful for the opportunity. We're thankful for the opportunity. And because of that conversation, here we go. This was in the very middle of the pathway that just came out um, late last week, early this week. Okay. This is the middle spread. And so the cool thing is about being a Christian is one thing sounds right till somebody else comes along. Let's That's examine. Right. Let's listen. We have a point and counterpoint. And so we do want to thank James Silverman, which again will be our moderator at the debate. He will be at the Missouri Baptist Annual Meeting to um, help us pass out literature, talk to people, um, being gentle and respectful um, and, and bringing this stuff up. Thank you for submitting this article. And then we have uh, Joshua B. Wester, which is an ERLC person to do the counterpoint. Um, and this is what we want to, we want to talk about the counterpoint because you know our position already. And uh, if you want, again, more abolitionist talk from our end, you can go back in our catalog and look up those shows anyway, but we want to hit the counterpoint. But again, thank you, Don Hinkle, for listening to your people that you represent. This is yes. the way it works in Baptist polity. And, you know, thank you for being an ear. And we, I hope and pray that you would be an example to the other people around you in that office and that uh, they would see the error of their ways. If they say, I don't have to listen to the messengers. Cause if, if you, again, we're representative here, we're not just a democracy. We are a representative democracy, which is the biblical way to do It's It's awesome. So again, thank you for that. But anyway, um, in, in this, um, uh, Missouri pathways. Like I said, we have a point and counterpoint. So we've got the whole abolitionist incrementalism debate on display for all the Missouri Baptists to read that get this. And if you don't get the pathway, it's free. Um, go to, is it the NBC pathway um, or something like that? You can search for it. I don't know the official we uh, see here. stuff, but yeah, it, it's free. Um, you can get it in your mail sent to you. No problem. Free of charge anyway. It's a part of the cooperative NBCPathway.com. NBCPathway.com. You Go can there and sign, sign up. up for a free copy. Yeah. And you get really awesome articles from a lot of cool Missouri Baptist people. You know, uh, Rob Phillips is always writing something apologetically yes. in there. You know, Gabe wrote something great. Jonathan Hayashi's written for it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in there um, to take home with you. But anyway, um, we're not going to do the point because we're abolitionists, but uh, James wrote a point, abolish abortion, put down incrementalist methods in the fight for life. And then we've got the counterpoint, which is we need a comprehensive approach to ending the tragedy of or ending tragedy of abortion, which, you know, to poison the well, abolitionism is, as we just said, it's a worldview issue. It is a comprehensive approach to ending abortion. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the first so issue kind of with interesting Webster's, the title is yeah the for first, incrementalist is 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 the comprehensive begging the question. What do you mean by comprehensive? You mean doing everything? How about just ending it all the way? Yeah. That's the issue. It's a misleading tag it's a misleading name for the so article you're, you're saying that now i know webster yeah. probably didn't choose the title a lot of times your authors don't choose the title it's usually the editor who chooses it but uh this is a failure again as, whoever chose it whoever chose it whoever is responsible for it we want to say that this sets up a straw man yes that the abolitionists are not comprehensive in worldview like we just said it's a worldview issue and abolitionism is a comprehensive approach because it takes in the whole Christian worldview from the whole of scripture to make its points. So 
straw man alert already from the title. So, so Joshua B. Webster is, of course, the director of content and chair of research in Christian ethics at the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. One of the issues that I do want to state real quick is that the Southern Baptist Convention did vote to affirm the abolition of abortion. So our ethics professors who we're paying and our ethics entities who we are paying through the cooperative program need to get on board and start mm -hmm. writing abolitionist articles because that's where your people in the pew are. Yeah. And again, overwhelmingly, thank you. by the way, thank you, Don Hinkle. We need more people to go. I have to listen to the people. All right. Let me listen to the people. I can do it then. So again, yeah, Joshua B. Uh, Webster is it Wester or Webster? Oh, sorry, I'm Webster. Gonna sorry, I'm going to say it's Wester because that's oh. what I looked up. It's yeah, there you go, Wester. Yeah. Uh, so they, yeah, it's a little uh, typo. Um, but yeah, Wester wrote this article in July um, 2021 while serving as the director of content and chair of research at Christian Ethics at Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. The article originally ran on the ERLC.com. So this isn't something fresh made for the pathway against so this is just you know um this is something that's been because brought their in but arguments again, are always regurgitated yeah, yeah but again thank you don for at least putting this in here for a counterpoint so again it's not just one-sided monologue this gives at least a newspaper dialogue um and i would urge you to read the point read the counterpoint and then actually see if you can connect the dots where the point answers the counterpoint all right, because there is some straw mans in there. There's some answers to the counterpoint already in the point. So let do do some comprehensive work between the two uh, when you do that. That would be a good um, critical thinking thing to do. As we are called to Christians to be as Christians to be those about truth. Right, we're to be yes. about truth. Um, so it, there has been a lot of conversation recently in Southern Baptist circles and beyond about the right way to fight against abortion. Perhaps you've heard about the debate over incrementalism or uh, abolition. Essentially, those views represent two different camps within the broader movement of pro-life Christians seeking to end abortion. But before I dive into the specifics of each view, I wanted to say at the outset that both camps are compromised of faithful brothers and sisters who all share the same fundamental goal. In fact, even this current conversation about the way forward for pro the pro-life movement further reflects that the movement itself is a broad, diverse, expanding coalition fueled by a passion to protect the unborn. So... That was very kind of mm -hmm. Josh to extend what I believe is a gracious olive branch. It mm -hmm. should speak to everyone because there have been abolitionists who I think at times because of the more recent tidal wave of people like you and I, the more recent tidal wave of folks like Operation Save America, Free the States, Rescue Those Who Are Perishing, those groups have come in, and at a point, the, the vigor and the passion with which we have, which is very, very good, which is righteous and just, has at times probably communicated to some folks who have been good pro-life folks, thinking that they were doing everything they could. It has been perceived as times as if the abolitionists are saying, we don't care about anything that you've done. You're all wrong. We are thankful for those who have attempted 
in the past to do what they could to save the pro life or to save the life of the unborn. Our argument is that they started on the wrong foundation. Yeah. We praise the Lord for any true life that was saved. We do not, and I do not wish to besmirch anyone who has spent a great deal of time trying to save the lives of the unborn. What I'm saying is your paradigm was wrong. You started with the wrong foundation. You started by submitting to Roe versus Wade. Now, look, we can actually see as a Southern Baptist in the 70s did not know how to deal with Roe yeah. versus Wade because there was a boatload of theological liberals who were affirming abortion because that was the tension within the Southern Baptist Convention. It created a beginning or a starting place for good pro-life Southern Baptist to try to compromise from the very outset with the liberals who said that abortion was cool. It was great. Mm -hmm. So because there was a compromised foundation, we're saying, wait a second, dear brother and sister, look at your roots and your foundations. You started on the wrong foot. Your efforts, while charitable, while good, began from the wrong starting place. We want to call you to the right starting place lovingly. You want to end abortion. You want to see it destroyed, illegalized. You want to be in total submission to God's word. So we're calling you to do some very personal, contemplative, scriptural thinking on this issue. And if you are the same person who says, image of God, the authority of scripture, then you need to step back and see if your position actually affirms what it is you say you're standing on. Yeah. And it's one of those things as uh, Christians in general in America, at least the thing is that we're always reactionary mm. and we're never playing offense. And the big difference here is who's playing offense, who's playing defense. And because Christ is Lord and is over right now, every dominion, and then also the church, as Colossians 2 starts off with, not just of the church and then also kingdoms and dominions. No, he is the Lord over all things. You know, that's our starting point. And because of that, we need to play offense. We need to stop just reacting. We need to be proactive and announcing Christ's lordship over everything that he is lord over, and he has explained that he's lord over heaven and earth. He has been given all authority. So how does your position then reflect that truth that Jesus is lord over everything? Does your position reflect that truth? Does our position reflect that truth? Which one reflects that truth is the question to ask. But we do want to say, recognize the fact that, yes, we cannot treat each other as brutes and, and we animals. we shouldn't look like the people none, yeah. who are lost. Yeah, we should not. We, we should consider each other brothers, and we are at certain places, and be gracious, and bear with one another, and bear each other's burdens. I get that. And that's we're here to do that as well. So there our, is grace to be had, but whenever we're talking about this, we are arguing the arguments, not the people. And so let's... Just so start our appeal off is to the pro-life Missouri Baptist. Yeah. Our appeal is to let scripture be your tutor. 
Let the law of God be your tutor. Let your professed claim to submit to the authority of Scripture and to the direction of Scripture be the way you live out your Christian witness. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself if it does. Yeah, yeah. So the article goes on to say, the first thing to say about the abolitionist camp is that they are laser focused on the goal of ending abortion. Why so, would anyone else not be? Yeah. Sorry. Okay, yeah. And because of that commitment, abolitionists dedicate their time and energy to calling for the immediate end of abortion. Through yeah. their activism and advocacy, they support legislation focusing largely on bills in the state legislatures that would immediately outlaw abortion if passed and signed into law. Do that because here's something's coming up later for that. Additionally, abolitionists tend to oppose efforts to restrict abortion that fall short of abolition. Okay, later on, that's going to be a bad thing that we're going to have to talk about. But again, when we're talking about murder... We have laws against murder, not incremental laws. We say murder is wrong. This is the only one issue that's arbitrarily treated as something different. Yes. This is why abolitionists go, we don't want any murder legalized. We already have a lot of other murder not legalized. Why is this? We're asking, why is this? The only little circle, the only little place where murder can live and be legalized. But most pro-life people don't realize that what they're doing legally is making murder legal. Exactly. It's implicit. And then they're complicit, if you want to fun isit words. And while they may do so for many reasons, a common refrain from abolitionists is that they cannot support laws that allow any lives to be aborted. Again, euphemism. Murdered. We cannot allow any laws that allow murder. Remember, you as a pro-life person, please say that it's murder. Don't just use the word abortion as if it is not murder or a different kind of murder. When you have to change your terminology, your position is in trouble. Yeah. Though I do not consider myself an abolitionist, for the reasons I set forth below, I think their fierce advocacy and opposition to abortion plays a critical role in keeping the heinous and grievous nature of abortion before the eyes of the American public. We want to set before your eyes, Mr. Wester, the heinous, like, do you agree that this is heinous? Do you agree that this is murder? Do you like laws legalizing murder? Apparently, you don't mind laws that allow murder. The and I would like nature. you to at least say that I want a, an, a, I want you, I'll take you seriously if you will clearly tell everybody I am okay with some murder. I'm not saying killing. I'm saying I am okay with some murder because that's what you are saying without saying it. I know that the pro-life advocates don't like us saying that, that chafes against them. Why? Why does it chafe against you? Mm Mm-hmm. Because you know, as a regenerate Christian, that it is murder 
and you don't like your sin to be called out. Oh, you're so mean. No, we're pleading with you, brothers. How in the world are we at different ends on this? Yeah, if we we are Christians, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth, um, that he created, created in six days. That he created Adam and Eve, man and woman, for each other, making a complementary uh, relationship, a division of labor to have kids, to grow more, and to have dominion over the world, to glorify God in their work, glorify God in their sexuality, glorify God um, in making um, like statecraft, um, and glorifying God in, in building congregations and all that stuff. You know, and, and so we agree on that. And, and so, like, why can't we agree on law? Why can't we both say that it is murder and it is absolutely wrong? And in no other case do we allow for murder. And the strong man that is drawn for the abolitionist is, oh, but you're saying that you aren't happy about the lives that were saved. No, we are saying that lives were saved. But unlike you, we are mourning the deaths. There you you go. are celebrating the arbitrary line and look at what we did, but you're not saying, but there's still babies being murdered. No, we are mourning the murder of the ones that are still going on because you've codified abortion into the fabric of our culture legally, implicitly by saying, here's the line, here's where it's okay. But it's not okay, but it is okay. Again, okay. Who's being absurd then? who's bowing down to a secular neutral argument where Jesus does not exist to celebrate something. Again, don't answer the fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Who's doing the Bible? Who is following scripture? So again, uh, this is under the title uh, incrementalism. In a sense, the incrementalism label is a bit of a misnomer. And then he's going to explain incrementalism and saying it, basically showing and demonstrating that it's not a misnomer for one. I'm not aware of a single person in the incrementalism camp of which I consider myself a part who would not desire to, or support an immediate eradication of elective abortion. Then why, then why, why this article? Why not say the Southern Baptists have spoken clearly. Everyone in Washington, listen to us. Yeah. End it. And I want you, this is where you can go back. If you have this article, here's where you can go back to the other side. Here's an answer to that. In 2019, Texas State Representative Jeff Leach filed an incremental bill, TXHB16, um, just days after the abolition bill was assigned to his committee. Leach then killed the abolition bill by denying it a committee vote while HB 16 passed and was signed by the governor for keeping abortion legal and passing a do nothing pro-life regulate regulation. Leach was awarded the courageous defense of life award by the Texas Alliance for life. Now, the same thing occurred in Missouri this year, conservative Senate Senator Bob Onder denied the abolition of abortion in Missouri act, a committee vote until the bill was completely gutted. 
But because of his support for the other other pro-life bills, he was named the 2021 Statesman for Life by the Missouri Midwest March for Life. And this way, incremental pro-life bills protect the careers of the very people keeping abortion legal. So there's how this article answers this article. So read them both. Answer the questions each other have. Orrin Dorr was in the room that I testified in. He was one of the people who was thanked by the pro-life the the pro-life lobbyist who said, Oh, you've done so much. Oh, you've done so much. You've fought this fight with me. So Orindor has the opportunity to say, end it. Pass it. Get this into the get this into the Senate on the Senate floor. And he says, nah. Nope, I'm not going to end it when I have the power to end it. I'm not going to save all of the lives of the unborn. Instead, he says, well, there was only 14 abortions committed in the state of Missouri this last year. King Asheris was a king. He could have interposed, but he didn't. Exactly. So again, this is how we can bring this all around. Interposing. The doctrine of the lesser magistrate. And... Is there an objective amount of lives that were even saved? That's the issue. Can you, can you actually, in real time, real life, prove it? Not seen it yet. I've just seen a lot of talk. The kingdom is not in talk, but in doing. And Missouri Baptists are going to vote for Senator Orender, even though he was the one who decided, hmm, nah, I don't want to get this out of committee. Goes on to say, uh, incrementalism does not mean that one supports the slow destruction of abortion. Yes, it does. And what? And I, I have to watch my heart. But what has been said by a Missouri representative that we've talked about on our show before? What has he said? Death by a thousand cuts. So it literally means. It literally means why the term incrementalism is what. It does mean that one supports a slow destruction of abortion. This is a lie in this document right here from the ERLC. That's literally what it means. Instead, it means that one. So he says, instead, it means it's one that embraces a comprehensive approach to ending abortion. No, because they're not interested in ending abortion. Okay. They can't if you follow their own standard. Define comprehensive. We have now defined comprehensive being a worldview issue where God exists and he is in everything. And our, like, this is where we hold every thought captive to obey Christ, not the laws of men, right? We obey God rather than men. People are being murdered. We obey God, not man. All right? Why can't we say that and be for it? Instead, it means that one embraces a comprehensive approach to uh, ending abortion, defined comprehensive. One that leaves every tool and resource on the table, except for what did we just say? Except for whenever you kill abolitionist bills that could actually take yeah. speed and go through, you kill them. You get rid of tools. To end abortion. It's been proven in Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas, um, Texas. How many Ohio. more states? Ohio. So again, stop 
lying. Now, I understand if you are ignorant of these things, okay, I can forgive that. But do research then. You are in the ERLC. This is your job to know. This is lying if you know that the, the abolitionist bills have been killed. So no, you do not use every tool at your, at your disposal because you've had tools to end it and they have gotten been gotten rid of. So uh, why incrementalism? He says, at root, I consider myself an incrementalist for one simple reason. I will support almost any, me almost any measure except for abolition bills. So that's a fun word I didn't catch earlier. I'll support <laughs> almost any measure designed to save the lives of unborn children. He will support almost. So he will not support abolition bills. That's what almost and they he is very let telling pro, And the wow. pro-life industry okay. won't let them either. Yep. The pro-life industry won't let them either, either, and they will threaten their funds, and they will threaten their support, and they will petition and run against yeah. them. So again, Joshua, I will support almost any measure. Will you support any measure to save the if lives? If you're comprehensive. Yeah, if you're comprehensive. Oh, wow. Wow. This is... This is killing itself. This is what happens when you have an absurd worldview. Whenever you have psycho or, or, or philosophical tension, this is the philosophical. This is the philosophical schizophrenia of the sacred secular world, the two kingdoms world that's been shoved down people's throats without any sort of exegesis. Remember Genesis nine. We've talked about this. An altar was made and the law was given. All law is religious. All law is sacred. And it's coming out in now the tension, the, the, the cognitive dissonance that should be in Joshua's head as he's rereading as he, what he, he wrote himself here. And I didn't catch that almost. And that is very telling. Whenever I first read this, I didn't get it circled first. Just took both of us so, reading it. Wow. Yeah. I will support almost any measure designed to save lives of the unborn children. As a Christian, I believe that every life is sacred and precious because every single human being is made in the image of God. So, and he cites uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 27. So that's the question. When is a person a person? You got to ask that. So when is a person a person? Because there's people that say heartbeats a person. Um, when they take their first breath, it's a person. Okay. So are they a do you believe that they are a person from conception and why are you okay with the murder of them? If you believe that they are a human being at conception, you're still saying that you're okay with some murder. That's our, that's the definition that you have to have of this is murder. Again, we are all sinners in front of God. We are all rebels and deserving of death and his wrath. But when we're, we're talking about the creature-creator distinction, we're talking man-to-man. -man. This person is innocent of any man-to-man -man issues. This person has not killed anybody, but is being killed. That is injustice. God hates injustice. He hates unequal scales. That's that right. is what's happening. But okay? read that next line. It says, and as an image bearer, every person deserves to be treated with honor. Every person so now are you saying that before the heartbeat, they're not a person? What are you saying here? This is what is implied that, well, every per if you believe that every person it, is it, deserving of honor, dignity, and respect. Then why does your position 
drawn redefine that. Mm -hmm. That certainly means that every human being has a natural right to life. Though I don't love the label, I am an incrementalist because I will support a whole range of efforts except for abolition bills to save unborn lives up to and including total abolition of abortion. That is an absolute lie, and we just demonstrated it. So the thing is, acknowledge that this is just killing. Or acknowledge that it's murder and be consistent with your, your scriptures and that statement that it's murder. Another reason I am in the incrementalist camp is that I believe abolitionism is morally right, but practically wrong. How can you have something morally right and practically wrong? If it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. But here's the issue. Now show us how it's, how it is morally right and practically wrong. Wait a second. The Christian faith does not offer that distinction. The Christian faith does not allow for that type of compartmentalism. It's a <coughs> false dichotomy. You do Excuse what me. is morally right. If it is practically right for me to deny Christ so I can feed my wife and kids, do I deny Christ? No. So I wanted to read this little piece here because I couldn't find it in there. Oh, no. Supporting oh, no, incremental. That's at the very okay, end. gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's at the in the conclusion. Gotcha. So. Okay. Go yeah. for it. Continue. So it says, I stand alongside, oh, well, again, I believe abolitionism is morally right, but practically wrong. Okay. So this exposes the standard. This is not, he's saying the standard of the Bible says what we are, what we hold to, what we are advocating is actually right. Mm -hmm. So in, end of the debate, if you care about scripture, the debate's over. He just admitted that we're right. That it has a moral high ground. Yes. Saying it's practically and wrong. that scripture so, is so now, clear on it, and that scripture is clear enough yes. for it to be morally right. So the ultimate standard now is flipping. So it's either it's biblically morally right, and what are we called to do? Be holy, for God is holy. We're to do the morally right thing. He just admitted it. But then, but 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 no no but but by pragmatism, because that's the only standard now that I can keep my my job keep my traditions, keep my pride and not have to give away, get away or, or, or repent by pragmatism. I don't have to repent. So I'm going to use that standard is what he's saying here. So I stand alongside every person in the pro-life movement and opposing the Supreme court's wicked and devastating decision in Roe versus Wade that legalized abortion. It legalized. Did it, did it legalize abortion? It's not the law of the is land. It, is, it, is it law? The Supreme Court doesn't make law. Yeah, I think uh, there's a reason. Oh, wait, I think, I think uh, these days and times have actually exposed the fact that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have both basically said that it's not law and they want to codify it. So you have lied again. And this is the problem. We have perpetuated a lie for 48 years. And, and we're Christians. Law, and the lie was birthed into a Southern Baptist convention which influenced large Eva. It was birthed into the SBC because there was an SBC that did not have integrity. And there was a compromised SBC that created the foundations for the larger pro evangelical pro-life movement. The compromised SBC that wanted to make again, a compromise between the liberal SBCers and the 
and the conservative SBCers birthed a pro-life movement that wanted, again, to compromise scripture. Yep, again, on something that doesn't exist. <clears throat> Secular ground does not exist. Everything belongs to Jesus Christ. This is his, and so it can't be secular. So I lament and oppose any legal effort to further protect or establish abortion in the United States. Pro-life legislation allows and legalizes Roe versus Wade's opinion. The opinion of the case gets legalized whenever you say, well, we will kill, we will allow the murder of babies before a heartbeat can be detected. Then you actually have codified it. That's the whole problem. That's what we've been saying. That's what other abolitionists have been saying for a long time. So it's actually we as Christians who have supported pro-life stuff have to repent. We perpetuated a lie. And now he's saying, I lament and oppose every legal effort. No, 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 no. You further the legal efforts of murdering babies. Yes. Not all babies understand you're not for partial birth abortions. You're not for, you know, up to the minute or where the kid is crowning and people will still want abortions then. And maybe even if they're out for five minutes, I understand that that's what they want. You don't want, but guess what? That now that's a relative standard and you're going, well, I'm better. Look, I'm glad I'm not like those people. God, instead of going down and sit going and saying, I am a sinner and then leaving home, just going home justified. You're saying I'm better than these people. So you're a Pharisee. Pro-lifeism is Phariseeism. But I, despite, or, but despite my opposition to these things, I recognize that short of civil war, which no one is advocating, the only legitimate remedy to the status quo is through our legal system. And that is literally what, what the abolitionist saying. says. And the legal system is set up to where states can oppose and ignore bad court opinions. And we could could have done it. So again, you are just trying to make yourself look good where you can look good. We want to utilize the legal system the way it works and it's decentralization. That's the thing. That's the beautiful thing that God has given us here in America, decentralization. And we're trying to call people to stop stepping over their bounds. We're trying to get them to repent of these things. And so the States can actually ignore Roe because it is not law. And then he goes on. I respect the moral correctness of attempting to pass state laws to abolish abortion. Thank you again for the admission that we are morally correct and we are doing the right thing. But at present, if any state were to pass such legal legislation, the federal court system would simply strike down that law as unconstitutional. Then why are you celebrating the heartbeat bill? Why are you celebrating anything that the court could actually strike down? Because right now, the ERLC... Tons of Southern Baptists have been so excited about the new heartbeat bill in Texas, which is now going to the Supreme Court. Oh, wait, it could be struck down. So why are you celebrating that one? If you can't celebrate abolitionism as no exception, no compromise. Now, sauce's goose for the sauce. The sauce that is for the goose is also for the gander here, bud. Yep. Gotcha. And we don't like to play the gotcha game and say, told you so, or anything like that. We're not doing that. We're just saying, like, you have built your own noose and your strength. You're like, you, you are hanging on, on a rope 
yet for some reason you can't feel it digging into your neck. And we're trying to be over here. We're like, we're in a box that we can't touch you, but we're saying you've got a rope around your neck. You need a savior. You need to so repent. If the standard <laughs> is just because the court, the federal court could overturn it, you don't want to affirm it. Then you've just undone tons of pro-life bills right now that are actually going to the court. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. pro-life movement shouldn't have them. put them forward. Yeah, if if any sort of like if it if it is of the opinion that it is the woman's right to choose, then yeah, they can strike down your incrementalist thing because it's unconstitutional. It should be all unconstitutional if that is actually the truth of Rose versus Wade being the law. That's again, that's where you're hanging yourself by your own rope on this one. Uh, see here. So yeah, it might strike down that law is unconstitutional. And again, you know, it's taken years, but weeds legal again. That's that whole thing. That's going to be nailed yeah. down here yeah. just a little bit Weed later is too. Legal. So, um, and in effect, passing such a bill simply maintains the status quo. I know some within the abolitionist camp that predict more successful outcomes, such as a cascade of states refusing to submit to the will of federal courts. But I am wholly unpersuaded that such scenarios represent even a remote possibility. Well, I'm glad that you are not the standard to measure things to. But further, I understand you're un, you're not persuaded. But who are you, oh man? That's right. Are you? That's your opinion, just as much as Road versus Ways is an opinion. Okay, so you're you're cynical. Um, read the gospel. Live the gospel. Read God's promises. All enemies are going to be put underneath Christ's feet. And the church is what? Christ's body? And he's called us to do works that he has predestined for us to do. So maybe we think about uh, this enemy. Actually, Christ uses us to defeat this enemy in the world right now. That's the beautiful thing that we have a union with Christ and there is nothing but optimism and hope and you're cynical. So there, there's another difference there. Um, but yeah, I'm wholly unpersuaded. So instead of I, instead I am convinced that the best way forward is to gain every inch of ground we can, but every inch progressing to what? Because you've already admitted that the, Christian position is the end of the murder of the preborn. What are you gaining everything towards? Because if you're going to oppose abolitionist bills, you're recognizing you will always fall short. Mm-hmm. And again, we can split an inch even in, and then like, since we're talking about concepts, we're not talking about physically because there is a physical constraint to actually cutting an inch of paper an infinite amount of times but we're talking about conceptually. We're talking about something abstract here concepts. You can, you can be hypothetical and be arbitrary an infinite amount of ways. That's what arbitrariness does. Are you actually going to ever end with man's power, not the gospel, but man's power abortion again, answer, not a fool according to his folly. Lest you be like him. And that's what you're doing with this. This is the methodology difference between. So this is the long-held strategy of the pro-life movement, and it is working. So again, he admits that 
the inch by inch thing that he said that's not what incrementalism but means. But the pro-life movement he was founded on a false premise. Yep. So this long-held uh, strategy, the pro-life movement, which then again he again lies. It's not that he says over here. So again, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. In the sense, incrementalism is labeled as a bit misnomer. No, it is not. Again, I am aware of, that is a bit, of, or uh, I am aware of a single person. I'm not aware of it, a single person in the incrementalism camp of which I consider myself a part who would not desire to support the immediate eradication of elective abortion. Uh, incrementalism does not mean that one supports the slow destruction of abortion. And then over here he says, this is the long held strategy of the pro-life movement and it is working. So he admits that's what, again, two sides of the mouth here and, and that needs to be exposed. Um, this, that strategy includes things like heartbeat bills, partial birth abortion bans, pain-capable bills, um, informed consent laws, waiting periods, and more. Okay, so does God say that life starts at a heartbeat? Nope. Does God say that life, that life starts somewhere in the middle of gestation? Nope. Um, does uh, God base this stuff on how much pain people feel? Nope. Um, does God say that we can give a waiting period and then somebody can be murdered? Nope. Does God so say again, that you need to go to your parents to get their consent of where you can murder your baby? Or anyone. Again, these are universal. These should be universal laws here. If they're God's law, right? If that's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but it says each of these are tools the pro-life movement has employed to save the lives of the unborn. Again, it, but again, to it has allow not been for the legalization object. of murdering others. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Oh yeah. And this then here, is, I've got here's this. a quote: As Joe Carter has written, since Roe versus Wade became the law of the land in 1973, lie. The abolitionists have made absolutely no progress because you pro-life guys are in the way. Um, what? The, while the incrementalists have helped to save the lives of thousands. So only thousands of how many, like if there's 3000 children being murdered a day over the last 48 years, you've only saved 0.5% maybe. Now here's the issue. Hmm. While Christians and there have historically been Christians who have said, this is murder. It must stop. This is murder. It must stop. Every single one of those people cannot be just subsumed into, see, they were pro-lifers. No, actually, I know that there are tons of Christians who hate that it's murder, and they've said, we must stop it, we must stop it. But they have been stopped by lobbyists and pro-life elected individuals who are killing the abolitionist bills. False yeah. premise as a starting place, the leaders led them wrong from the outset. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry it took us so long to tell everyone that the emperor had no clothes. And it's one of those things that, again, to speak to that whole Esther thing and, 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 uh, and Joseph thing is, yes, the, you're, you're using that the ends justify the means thing and God is just in what he does and he doesn't need anything to justify him. Right. Other than himself, he is going to act justly. So the problem of evil is not solved by the ends justifying the means. Um, but here, here's the deal is yes, his enslavement, his, or, or well, his almost murder 
and then his brother selling him off to be a slave to then be put up into Pharaoh's house to then be accused of sexual immorality and adultery to run away to get into um, jail to then be put back into Pharaoh's house and over everything again to save people's lives. Isn't his brother still accountable for wanting to kill him? Because Jesus says, if you hate your brother, you've killed them. So you're a murderer. So they're still accountable for the hatred because it's murder. They, and then they, they sold him which he was not their property to sell, they're accountable for that. So even all that sin is still held as sin. So it's not the ends justify the means here, but that's what the incrementalist is doing and saying, well, because, because people's lives were saved, the brothers get off scot-free. No, no, that was grace on Joseph's part. Joseph was in charge and he could have had them, their heads cut off in no time. And really, according to the law, he could have. Because to his his dad, he was dead, you know. But, you know, that's if we're using an ultimate standard here to actually do anything. Um, but, yeah, but, again, you can't you haven't even proved that it has uh, saved even the thousands of lives that you're wanting to, to uh, celebrate. Um, so uh, over the past 45 years, incrementalists have helped to pass hundreds of laws restricting abortion, including 45 in 2018. Again, you have thrown out abolition bills, which would criminalize it while doing that. So remember, that's, all, that's a theme that you need to think of whenever they're trying to celebrate something. Uh, the fact that there, is, there are men and women alive today, attending school, raising children, following Jesus, who wouldn't be here apart from these incremental laws. Uh, moreover, with the still freshly minted conservative majority in the Supreme Court, again, they're Catholics, and Catholics, if you listen to the Pope, are kind of for abortion. Yeah. They're not doing anything. Um, it is possible that one of these incremental state laws may lead to the weakening or reversal of the court's dreaded Roe decision. Um, possible. <laughs> um, ignore it. It's simpler to ignore it whenever we can legally do so. And it's not civil disobedience. It's a part of our awesome structure of being America and the way that we have founded this country and have um, established certain things from the get go, a decentralized government that we don't have to beg the judiciary to please, please reverse it. So we can stop murdering babies. We can stop murdering babies. All we have to do is ignore it. And it's not being disobedient at all to any, any laws, actually. That's the, that's the cool part. It's easier. And I understand that if it's e too easy to be, it could be, it could not be true, but this one is really, really true. And it, we, and I mean, it's hard work, but we can defy it and it's okay. It's totally okay to defy this one. Why can't we get that through our heads? So uh, in conclusion, he says, Supporting incremental measures to reduce abortion isn't choosing a morally compromised strategy over the one that is morally pure. Literally, it is. <laughs> it literally is morally compromised. You said that it is perfect. The abolitionist position is perfect whenever we say murder is murder. And you're drawing a line that murders over here is okay, but this is 
really illegal murder. If you do not see this as a morally compromised position, then you are morally then why compromised. Is, then, then Christians should be just fine with murdering their kids whenever you're it's saying, legally okay to do it. Yeah, you're saying that this isn't choosing a moralized or a morally compromised strategy over one that is morally pure. Rather, By definition, is, it but, is. But you though. said that the abolition position is perfect, so therefore you're saying it is morally pure, and then you're Again, drawing that arbitrary line and saying that it is a compromise that we have to do in order for it to finally end, even though we're the ones that are getting rid of the actual end type legal stuff. Um, rather, it is about choosing not to follow the perfect to be the enemy of the good, and that is called begging the question. Okay, so get your logic out. Understand what begging the question is. The whole issue is, the whole issue of the debate is, is incrementalism good? Yes. That is the issue of the debate. Is it in and of itself good? Is yeah. it in and of itself the morally right thing to do? You said, well, uh, I can save you. a few lives. Thank you by the admission, by the way, that the ab abolition position is perfect. The abolition position actually has the greater high ground. We can say, good, you saved lives. That wasn't enough. Good, you saved lives. But that's not good. That's not perfect. Yeah. Glad you saved lives. That wasn't what was right. And you say, oh, no, this is exactly our ends is just save a few, just save a few, just yeah. save a few more. And we're saying save them all. Yeah. So it's he says it is uh, re, oh, reprehensible that the uh, the uh, the abortion regime re regime remains firmly ensconced in America's legal and cultural fabric. Thank you, pro-life movement. Again, we have to say that. You created The only it. reason why we have legal room for murder is because of the pro-life bills. Yes. That say, you can do it here, but you can't do it over here. That literally codifies it. Again, I have to say that a million times. And because it is... I continue to have a deep respect for those who are committed to seeing the immediate destruction of abortion in America. So I, I'm grateful for your respect here, but even so I remain convinced that the best and most serious effort to reach that goal is found in the comprehensive strategy of incrementalism that seeks to take every step possible again, except for actual abolition bills in the legislature and the houses um, to end the culture of death and secure for us a pro-life future. Let's change the language. It's pro-justice. Guess what? We are not all pro-life. Not everybody's pro-life at all. Because whenever God says, if man sheds man's blood by man, shall his blood be shed. And then you get into Romans 12 and Romans 13. We're not supposed to take vengeance for ourselves. So if Dave were to um, kill my kid, right? I'm not supposed to avenge my kid's death by being a vigilante going to Dave to take his life, but God has established governments to be the sword against the evildoer. And so, okay, leave room for God's wrath. Hey, government, you're the sword against the evildoer. So there's where God's wrath resides, and it resides in the civil magistrate who is the deacon of God to be the sword against the evildoer and the rewarder of those who do good. There's an argument that Paul is building, and that's what he says. And so, no, I'm not a libertarian because that would, like a secular libertarian, because that would lead to 
anarchy and the incoherent particulars of the one in many problem. And I'm not a tyrant either. So I'm not saying that, well, if God has ordained this government, then I got to follow it. So I'm not going to put pinwheels on my head to go into Publix if Joe Biden says so. That's not that. That's that one in many problem here. I'm not on either side here, but God has ordained and I have to submit that God has ordained a civil magistrate for the good of the people. Now, is that civil magistrate good? Well, by the law of God, heck no, they're not. And I can defy them if they are forcing me to do must. something against God. And we must defy tyrants. It's obedience to God. He is, Christ is king. Caesar's not king. And, that, and so, but he has established that. But then again, as Calvin says, he does give wicked leaders to wicked people as judgment. So Christ ruling and reigning right now has given us a, a child as a president because we are wicked people because we are murdering babies. And then we have Christians saying that, well, we'll compromise and allow some murder. No, we need to stop. we need to repent. Again, this is something that I haven't been an abolitionist all my life. I just went with the status quo of what people were telling me. And then right. I get into what the actual argument it is. And I'm like, so Roe wasn't law the whole time. What did we do? What do we do collectively? We deserve God's judgment here. That's right. And we need to repent. That is exactly and so that's why, why we, we call are for repentance. Yes. And so again, if Christians are afraid to repent, which is the going theme of this whole thing is the, the, the pride attached to 48 years of work. And I don't want to repent of that. If, you're not even thinking, do I need to repent of that? Is there something I do need to check? Because there's a lot of people talking about it. Yeah. If you're not even willing to check, you better check your heart right now. Yes. Because we all need to understand that we all have things to repent of all the time. We're not God. We are sinful people that are being made into the image of God. That And that's, that's incremental. Sanctification is incremental. Yes. But through sanctification... We hold to absolutes and we hold on to those absolutes absolutely and we declare those absolutes. Right? And we go to people and if just you, like Matthew five, if Jesus you, didn't have any half measures in there. No, if you have a thought against a brother, you're killing them. You're I would, a murderer. I would say it is time for Missouri Baptist to act now. Yeah. Here is why. There is certainly a bridge to connect and say, we're glad you've saved lives, the lives that you saved. But it wasn't the right end goal. You lost track of the end goal. I truly believe the pro-life movement has lost track of it. We are pleading with Missouri Baptist to affirm this resolution, to tell the people in Jeff City, end it now. End it now. I promise you, you will see the true color of these pro-life folks. If they just want to save a job and get funds from the pro-life lobbyist, they will not support this. They don't care. But Missouri Baptists have a voice. Mm -hmm. And End we've had now. Mike Moon had SB391. And then before that, it was uh, HB 2285. Wow. Yeah. That's two abolition things shot down. And it was shot down by 
pro-life not incrementalist. Pro not pro-choice, folks. It was shot down by the very people who we thought were wanting to end abortion. Legal abortion. And, the, and it was fought against by lobbyists who we've given thousands and millions of dollars to create an industry that doesn't want to end abortion, mm -hmm. but wants to further regulate so, it. Again, after this October, if we can, as Missouri Baptist, with one voice here in Missouri, which there's a lot of Baptists here in Missouri, there is an, I, I, I don't want to say the overwhelming majority or anything, but I'm saying there is enough Baptist voices. If we would all come together and call our legislators, if every one of us would just give one, like I know if the he 2, said 2000 messengers yeah. representing the 1800 Missouri Baptist churches will actually speak clearly. So you're an incrementalist. All right. Now prove that you actually will do everything. Prove that you actually are comprehensive. And then there will be another bill in the next session in the house that is an abolition bill. Will you study for, on it? Will you find out what's going on with it? Are you willing to see it get shot down by a pro-lifer and then finally admit that the abolitionists have been correct and, and what they've been saying about how this like you get something, it could build steam, but then it gets shut down. Not by, the ones that want total murder legalized, but it's shot down by the very ones who told you they want to end it and they're not going to ever end it. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to just right now, just go ahead and be like, this is the biblical thing to do and I must do it. I must stand for no murder at all, at least legal murder. And my dog's trying to get in here now. <laughs> She's really uh, wanting me anyway, but, you know, that's, that's the thing we're, we're, we're doing this next session's coming up. There will be another, um, abolition bill. Um, we will get people on the show to talk about it yes. and how you can support that by making your phone calls, uh, by going to Jeff city, we'll put out the dates where things are heard. Cause you can go, you can go and view this stuff. This is the cool thing about being a citizen is we can, we can get involved and it's yes. going to take our involvement to do it. This is something that you can't just, uh, pay a, uh, a Southern Baptist entity to do the work and know that they're doing the work and just pray for this isn't a thoughts and prayers thing. This is getting your, getting on your feet and meeting people, praying with people and repenting and going for the gusto and asking God to save babies and to change hearts and to apply the gospel and save people, not just babies, but save people, save all kinds of people. And so, um, you know, that's kind of my rant for the day on this um, topic, no, but man, I hope this has great. been helpful. Again, please point counterpoint, read them together, put them together, like cut things out if you need to and uh, understand the uh, debate um, as or we get go closer. Read the article and then yeah. listen to the podcast or listen yeah. to the podcast. Go read the article again. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot more. So if you guys uh, listen to this and you have any questions, um, anything that you want us to talk about more um, as we approach the Missouri Baptist annual meeting, uh, let us know um, because uh, we want to make, we don't, we don't want this to be our one trick pony that we're That's talking right. about. And we're going to talk about other things. It's just something that means a lot to um, us at this but, particular point. Yeah. But as we approach uh, what we're going, what we're involved in and going to do at the end of the month, um, please ask your questions. We'll, if we don't know the answer, we'll get you hooked up because uh, there's a lot 
lot of information. There's a lot of human resources that we have um, that we can connect you with. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that's that a made a re- podcast, yeah, I think this man. is a good long one anyway. I had no but clue the time, so. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, we're not taking time, but hey, we didn't have a show last week, so we'll, you know, we'll give them a mega double whatever episode. I'm, I'm going to pull this up and find out. Um, oh, it's only uh, yeah, an hour and a half. Average. We're good. You're yeah. good. Well, anyway, um, with that said, uh, I'm Ray Ray. This is Dave. And this is the Tag Your It Podcast. Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.